0: Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod where hindsight is 4040. Before we get started, let's pay some bills and hear from our presenting sponsors. What's up everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision podcast. I am your host Khaled Abdallah, joined today by my fellow co-host
1: Osama Dahood. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm feeling very festive. I got my Dream on Green shooting with a backpack <laughs> on shirt, shout out World Warriors World, ready to rock. Yeah, big shout out to Warriors World doing
0: cool shit on and off the court, uh, awesome follow on Twitter, and really cool guys, or cool guy, I think it's one guy that runs it. Anyway, today's topic is the best and worst case scenarios for the Eastern Conference. The premise is simple, we're going to go down the list of the teams in the Eastern Conference, the order of which, which has been decided by... Their projected win total. So I pulled these win totals from, I believe DraftKings or FanDuel, one of those two guys. So you know, don't get mad if I'm a number or a, a win or two off or half a game off or whatever it is. That's what I got earlier this week. So that's what we're gonna go with. Uh, we're gonna talk about their key additions, key losses. Sam is gonna tell us what he thinks the best and worst case scenarios are gonna be, and we're gonna decide which of the two is more likely. So. We will start with a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and that is the Boston Celtics. Their over-under is 54.5, and last year's record was 57-25. and 25. I believe they were the two-seed last year behind the Bucks. And their key additions, the big headliner, Drew Holiday, the big trade from Portland by way of Milwaukee. Uh, Chris stapps was another big uh, acquisition for them. They brought back Jalen Brown on a contract extension and added Wenyin Gabriel. which will give him a shout-out for that. Uh, key losses, Marcus Smart, who was the emotional heartbeat of this team, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, and Danilo Gallinari. So with those additions and losses in mind, what do you think are the best and worst-case scenarios for the Celtics?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they probably should have gone to the finals right they they just got beat up by that Miami team and they lost three straight games and and they were punked even though they were on paper the better team they played better all year they had the best record in the east or second best record in the east so yeah i mean the holiday great addition i think their perimeter defense is going to be good uh with Porzingis they just have a, a really good top 4 so i do like that they'll be able to score as well as they've, they have in the past. And still a great defensive team, too. Maybe they take a slight step back with Robert Williams out, but at least they'll have guys that'll be playing games. He was, like, rarely healthy for them. It, it's hard to say, though, how different Drew Holiday is from Marcus Smart. Like Marcus Smart had a, had like okay. a lot of like, I got this guys, you know, yeah. <laughs> and if you remember the year the Bucks won the championship, so did Drew Holiday. He had some like two for tens and he was like, what the hell is this guy doing? Both great defenders, uh, but they could be cooked like Marcus Smart the year after his defensive player of the year was totally baked last year. Uh, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler just told Drew Holiday to his face, like, "I own you. I put you in my pocket. You're my son now." i mean, I mean, that's diff- like Jimmy Butler was an enigma in the playoffs, but nonetheless, yeah, that series,
0: not even the playoffs, just that yeah. series.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, nonetheless, like, okay, maybe it's a slight upgrade. Uh, maybe he's a slightly better playmaker. He he can move quickly on his feet and guard all of the other team's best guard players. Shout out Milwaukee. Um. I think they'll still be a top two, top three team in the East. I don't think that Mm -hmm. that changes anything. They Mm -hmm. have uh, a lot of depth. Interior defense takes a bit of a dip without Robert Williams. Al Horford's going to play maybe 15 minutes a game now. He's just kind of up there in age. The only other thing is the depth itself. Like, I don't, we just don't know. Like with Grant Williams out, Mm -hmm. I don't really know what this team looks like. They kept Peyton Pritchard. Boston fans really like him. He's okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I I think they'll hit the over. I think they're going to look great. So how does this go bad, if it does go bad? Porzingis' health is definitely one, just because it's always been a question mark. Um, And defensively, his fit, if they can get the best out of him, that's not a a worst case. But yeah, so let's say Porzingis' health is a worst case. That makes it go bad. Um, And I would say the defense interior uh, which goes mm-hmm. back to Porzingis too, like with Robert Williams out, is this only going to be a team that can defend on the outside uh, their switchability back and forth? I think that's a concern. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Like I think that the only team that's a bad matchup for them is Milwaukee, really, which is what the case last year. They just got yeah. out-executed by the Heat. I think mm-hmm. that this is, they have a clear path to, to winning the East.
0: Yeah, I, I would add that the coaching is where it could go bad. So I I think if we divide it into two things, right the regular season versus the playoffs, I think they're going to pretty much cruise through the regular season. The East is not great. They have clearly the best talent in the East on paper. They have the best starting five, which however they want to construct that starting five, if they go holiday white, you know, the two Jalens or the two Jays, I should say, and then Porzingis, however they want to do it, they're going to have the best starting five probably in the East. And, you know, their eight man rotation or 10 man rotation, again, is probably among the best. I do think there are concerns come playoff time about that front court depth, about that interior defense, about that playmaking. You know, we saw a lot of hero ball last year from them. We saw that both Jason and Jalen were both you know, content to dribble the clock out and, you know, pound the rock and do all that stuff, my turn, your turn type stuff. I think the big difference is I know Holiday is not uh, a traditional point guard, but I think he has a great awareness of the situation. And I don't think he's going to be like Marcus Smart, and be like, I got this, guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not going to do that. I-, I I think he had to on Milwaukee because they didn't have You know Middleton was, I you know was good that year, but I don't think they had a third scorer on that team. And on this team, they got plenty of scoring. They got plenty of wing depth. Porzingis is going to add a a new element to them as you know uh, a shooting big man. So I'm definitely like going with best case scenario for them in the regular season, but I do think there's going to be some questions come playoff time to see if you know Joe Mazzula is really the the guy for them.
1: And I think that it's interesting because I think all year Boston fans were really iffy on him. And then I think he won their hearts over by winning three straight games and almost <laughs> overcoming a 3-0. I think that they're they're like kind of just like they've talked themselves into it. So I, I TBD.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I want to say it was Bill Simmons that said, you know, if he had lost, if they got swept or whatever it was, if they lost in five to Miami, then he's getting fired. But because they lost in seven, then he kept the job because he won them over. I don't know if I don't I don't really agree with that kind of results-based analysis, but maybe they're giving him another year, like all right, you guys had chemistry issues, whatever. So will they'll give him a little bit more time. But I, I don't see it going bad until again, like you know, March, April time. I think the cruise to the regular season. So next are the Milwaukee Bucks, who coincidentally uh they have the same win total as the Celtics as fifty-four and a half. Last year, they were the one seed, 58-24. and Their season ended in disastrous fashion as they lost in only five games to the eight-seeded Miami Heat. Their big acquisition is Damian Lillard. They brought back Chris Middleton, brought back Brooke Lopez, Jay Crowder. They added Robin Lopez, Cameron Payne, and Malik Beasley. And their key losses, the aforementioned Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, Joe Ingles, and Wesley Matthews, man, nothing special. So not not too many big losses except for Drew Holiday. So what are the uh, best and worst-case scenarios for the Bucks here?
1: I mean, the best-case scenario is they win the championship, obviously. They have the the talent to do that. Uh, they added Damian Lillard. Wow, that does a lot for your team. Uh, in terms of spacing, I mean, they're just going to have a ton of space. I, I think that Giannis doesn't really have to, if he doesn't want to, put his head down. Uh, 11 times a game and barrel into a wall of the other team's biggest players. Uh, And and I think that Dame Lillard will provide quite a luxury in late game execution. A lot of shooting options on this team still. They have a new coach, which is a super underrated part of this team's progress this year. Coach Bud was... Uh, I don't know how to describe. He's just stubborn in terms of willingness to. That's a nice. Adapt way to put it, yeah. It's a nice. Way yeah, to put I'll it. be nice. Yeah. <laughs> stubborn, in terms of adapting. Um, so I think that in in terms of development and and their defense, they'll be pretty stingy still. For the most part, they got the best one-two punch or a top one-two punch in the league. Their depth, pretty good enough. The concern is Damon Lillard's defense. Um, Sorry, you're probably going to ask me about worst case, but best case, yeah. All of that being said, they <laughs> win the championship.
0: So, yeah, I mean, tell me the worst case. How does this go bad?
1: Yeah, perimeter defense is a, is a concern. Dame Lillard is untested in these scenarios in the West where uh, he was uh, thwarted by Steph Curry several times. Uh, it didn't work out for him. Uh, he They don't have a Drew Holiday on this team to guard the other team's best offensive player. Giannis can't do it. So I think while he's against the league's best offensive guards on a nightly basis, on the even in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be a big problem for him. Uh, and I think that that could be something that that slows them down a little bit. Chris Middleton's health is another one. He barely played last season. He didn't look right in the playoffs. I would say those are the two things. Aside from health, uh, again, it's it's a two-way race with them in Boston. If you had to pick between the two, which way – are you leaning at this moment in time? Uh, I'm going with with the Bucks. I think that they just have a higher ceiling. Uh, I think last season was just an anomaly. This shit happens mm-hmm. once in a while, but I don't see it happening again. And I think they have a chip on their shoulder. They're not going to let. They're not going to go out like that.
0: Yeah, I think that the the Giannis back injury combined with just Middleton not being the same guy. I want to say it was. Not a, not a Fugazi one seed, but they weren't exactly challenged during the regular season. I mean, Giannis is an incredible regular season player. The, the physicality he brings, I mean, you said he's probably not going to put his head down and barrel into guys, but it's pretty effective <laughs> when he does it, right? Like, if he's going to be drawing fouls and doing all that stuff. So it works in the regular season. Uh, and I think the, the biggest thing that Dame Lillard brings to this team is just closing offense how many times have we seen this guy just on his own win games, you know, basically shooting half court shots, taking bad shots, you know, shout out to Paul George and just taking over games in the last five minutes. And then you combine that with Giannis, who is one of the most physically dominant players in the NBA. So if he has the confidence to take free throws, which I think he just lost that confidence last year. He had plenty of that during the title season. If he gains that back, Combined with the spacing that Dame brings, the playmaking that Dame brings, and just the shot making that he brings, I, I think that's going to be the big, big, big plus. I'm not too concerned about their perimeter defense. I know, I, I feel like with Dame, I, I think most of defense is effort, right? And if he's on a Portland team where it's like, you are our offense. You're not the you know, number one option. You are the offense, essentially. So we need you to score. And we just don't. We don't need you to do anything but score. I think on this team, obviously Giannis can take over a game. I mean, even Brook Lopez, Chris Middleton, like he's going to have other options. So I think he's going to try a little bit harder on defense, just because he's not going to have to work as hard on on offense. Am I completely off base there?
1: I, I agree with that. We're just nitpicking, right? Like, how many weaknesses is this team supposed to have when they have the two of the ten best offensive players in their starting lineup?
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's. They're, aside from Boston being the, the best team on paper, I think Milwaukee gives them a run for their money. Um, I do think that they, to me, are the favorite to be the one seed. Um, I know I think Boston's going to have some other issues with, with fitting some of these guys in and stuff like that. I think it's just a clearer path for uh, Milwaukee to be the one seed. They're, they're my pick to, to represent the East in the finals right, so the the next team is really intriguing. I was kind of surprised to see this team up here, and that is the Cleveland Cavaliers their projected win total or over under is 50.5. last year they won fifty one and thirty one which I think was kind of a surprise uh their big additions are Max Strus and George Niang. They brought back Karis Levert. they got another backup point guard in Ty Jerome, and they signed Tristan Thompson for some reason. can't figure out why um <laughs> and their big losses uh well, quote unquote big uh, Robin Lopez and Shetty Osman. So <laughs> right. Uh, so best and worst case scenario for the Cleveland Cavs. And are you surprised that they were this high on the list?
1: I think if you asked me before last season that hey, this is gonna be a top three team in the East, I would have like, really? <laughs> um, but I know they added Donovan Mitchell and I think Evan Mobley is super underrated uh huge fan of his. He's just a, one of those franchise key players that can just do so much for your team defensively. He can space the floor, right. he, just an incredible player. Um, so I'm, I think best case, I mean, they can get to the second round of the playoffs like last year. Maybe they, the conference finals is their probably their best case. Like that's the the highest mm-hmm. they could go. If they get the best out of Donovan Mitchell in the postseason, it was the way they went out was really disappointing. So I think that with all this incredible young talent, there is definitely uh, a margin to get better, in, especially in the postseason. Defensively, they were pretty mm-hmm. stingy during the regular season too. The rim protection with Jared Allen uh, and and Evan Mobley is really good. They added Max Strews, uh great shooting options with him and George Yang. So I, I like the team. I think that they can get close to, if not hit. That over. The the East, aside from these like top three, four, five teams, mm-hmm. not much else there. I I think that they're it's, for me the key is Mitchell. Mitchell is 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 on it. makes everyone better. Uh this mm-hmm. team can can really make a run, at least towards the top three again in the East. Yeah, they, they got exposed
0: a bit in the playoffs, this, you know, too big rotation or too big lineup they had with, with Mobley and Allen. They got played off the floor by the Knicks, which was I guess it's, it should have been predictable. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I picked the Cavs to win that series, but we've seen time and time again, if you have a, a big, like, you know, Jared Allen, Rudy Gobert, guys like that, like they're just going to get played off the floor in the playoffs, but in the regular season, they can be huge difference makers because they're the only guys like playing really hard defense and that, that, that makes the difference. And I think this team for the regular season I wouldn't be surprised if they're pushing pushing for the one seed because they have a lot of young talent, which I think is is a key factor here. You look at Milwaukee and Boston, their goal is to win the title. That is that's all they care about. It's all that matters. If you're Cleveland, you know, getting the one seed or the two seed is something that you want. It's something that you're going to be chasing because it's it's one of those benchmarks that you want to hit as a young team that's growing and developing. And I think with guys like Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, like they're incredible regular season players, especially Donovan Mitchell. Like the guy scored about 70 points last year in a game. And that's the kind of stuff that's obviously only going to happen in the regular season. So I think that combination with the front court depth that they have with those two bigs, I think, I don't know, if, if I had to pick like a dark horse one seed, I'd probably go with the Cavs. And I think that they're going to push for that, just because they're not probably going to do as much load management and stuff as some of these other, you know. I I wouldn't say Boston is an older team, but they have more injury concerns with Porzingis and wanting to keep Holiday fresh and all that stuff. So I think it goes really well for them in the regular season. And I do. I think you said they were going to, you know, could make the conference finals, and that that would not surprise me one bit.
1: So yeah, yeah. I think the only way this goes bad is. In terms of execution, and it might come down to coaching. I don't know what to think of JB Bickerstaff. I'm just not sure. Some, I think it's uh, people really soured on him in the playoffs. They were out executed. They looked very mistake prone. Like you said, it just looked they whimpered out (laughs) against the Knicks team that I'm not impressed by whatsoever. No. So I think that (laughs) there's just a lot of upside. Um, One question is. If this Jared Allen, Evan Mobley thing doesn't work, does someone try to trade for Allen and the Cavs just look to start Mobley at the five and do some sort of, all right, we'll have a little more traditional lineup. We're not going to go Twin Towers mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, he's, he's a
0: big candidate for that. I want to say he's on an expired deal or at least like a very affordable deal. So if you're a team, I mean, I, I don't think it's realistic for a team like the, the Warriors or something to do, make this kind of deal. But if you think about who, could use a guy like that it's like okay see, they could use a traditional big like that the Warriors to put him to you know give uh Looney some uh some relief there there's a lot of teams that could use him he seems almost kind of surplus to requirements but at the same time if you're Cleveland you know that he's a big key to at least your regular season success so it's almost like how much do we prioritize the playoffs because we know he can play it's just he just can't play with Evan Mobley at the same time, so maybe you just take that approach. Like, let's go for that one seed. Let's keep our talent together because we have that talent, and then you know we'll we'll see how things go in the off season. I, I think it's unlikely that he gets moved.
1: I agree with that. It could be just more yeah. of a matchup thing. If it makes sense, play them both. If it doesn't, just find another answer. Yeah, Max Struess, the Struess is loose.
0: Yeah, they have shooting too. That was the other thing you mentioned, Struess and Yang, and they got spacing and. Karis LeVert, I mean, he's he's kind of a, he's like one of my least favorite type of players, like that archetype, like the volume scorer, just everybody, get, give me the ball and everybody get out of my way type guy. But you need that. If he's going to be coming off your bench, sometimes you need that kind of guy. And I think he he fits a good role there. Uh, so next up, the Philadelphia 76ers. So this offseason has been uh, dramatic, to say the least. Uh, but their projected win total, 49 and a half. Last year, they went a surprising 54 and 28, despite some of the issues they had. Joel Embiid won the MVP, all that good stuff. Uh, their key additions Kelly Oubre, Patrick Beverly, they brought back Paul Reed, they brought back Montrez Harrell, and they signed Mo Bamba for some further uh, front court depth. Key departures Jalen McDaniels, Shake Milton, George Niang, and slam dunk champion. Mac McClung, <laughs> who played, I don't know, a couple games with them at the end of the season. Just had to show throw that in there. And I mean, this is a very fluid situation. Uh, as of today, we're recording this on October 18th. James Harden was not with the team in training camp. He's uh, hanging out in Houston, doing whatever he's doing. So it's very likely that this roster looks very different in the next month or so. Uh, but what are the best and worst case scenarios for the Sixers here?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, James Harden basically, what do you call it? Quitting? Let's just call it quitting. He's quitting on the team. Basically, that's, that's a tough one. Best case, if James Harden's not on the team, I don't know what the best case trade scenario is. I don't see it making the team like way, way better. And it looks like another second round exit to me uh, right now, even with Embiid. Because Harden led the league in assists. They were a pretty like, well-rounded team. I still think they're a well-rounded team. They just missed that, like killer instinct because they went to a game seven and it just all fell apart for them when it mattered the most. And I don't know if that changes with Tyrese Maxey, but to keep it on a positive note uh, for, for now, at least, Joel Embiid played 65 games over the last two seasons. They were top 10 in defense. I don't think that changes with the James Harden departure. It's it's still a good basketball team. Uh, during the regular season, they still have the big FU players like P.J. Tucker for better or worse, Kelly Oubre, uh, Pat Beverly. So I, I think that they're they still have like a, a well rounded team they could put out there with a mix of shooting and switching defense and perimeter defense. It's it's going to be a, a solid regular season team. There's just question marks about the postseason.
0: Yeah, uh, I've seen packages. Basically, I mean, it's basically just the Clippers that have shown at least any interest, according to the the rumors and stuff like that. Uh, some combination of Terrence Mann and some, one of those other anonymous wings that the Clippers like seem to like, just pull off the bench at, at random times. And I think it's going to be an addition by subtraction type thing of just getting rid of James Harden and resetting the, the clock on the uh, Embiid happiness or Embiid morale meter. I don't think there's like a big move, but it's just going to be like, all right, dude, like we're going to cut out this drama. We just want you to play basketball. We're going to, you know, we Brought in some other bigs to take some of the weight off you. I mean, Mobamba is not great, but he's a big body out there. Uh, You know, B-ball Paul. People love him, and they think that he can be something. So, I think it's going to be a older, more mature team than than it was in the past. I mean, I think the addition of Nick Nurse is big, and you know, moving on from Doc Rivers and all that stuff. That all the baggage that comes with him and the playoffs and the blown leads (laughs) and all that stuff. I, I just I think that that is an underrated addition is, is the new coach. And I think there's going to be some creativity to this offense and I'm, I'm leaning the positive for them, especially if they can get rid of, of James Harden, basically hand the keys to, to Tyrese Maxey, who I think is, is a a great young player. So which way are you leaning here?
1: Uh, I still, I still think they'll, they can hit the over just barely. Um, I'm, but if I had to put my money on it, I'd probably bet the under just because I just don't know <laughs> if Maxi can, if he's a viable replacement. I don't know if this thing starts off poorly, the Joel Embiid to like the New York Knicks rumors start to really pick up. Uh, or to the Miami, who's mm-hmm. been in every conversation for everybody over the last like yeah. seven years. And I think they got Jimmy Butler and that's pretty much it. But that's their next anyway. So, yeah, I mean... I that's as good as it's gonna get. I think that they'll make the second round. Um, Tyrese Maxey will put up the best numbers of his career, and Joel Embiid' well, happiness watch will be an around the clock thing, depending on how the season goes.
0: Yeah, it was it was Giannis the past couple of years uh, on like the jump or whatever these NBA daily NBA shows. Where's Giannis gonna go next year? I don't think he's going anywhere now that they got Dame or at least for a little bit. So yeah, he, Embiid is gonna be the next guy up for that.
1: I will say the Nick Nurse thing, I did forget to mention that, is super underrated. He, When he was in Toronto, they threw the kitchen sink at teams like every night. They were doing all kinds of wild shit on defense. Offensively, this is already a good team, and I think that that'll speak for itself. They, they will be a handful, and they'll be more disciplined. And I wonder if he was the coach instead of Doc Rivers. Maybe they don't blow that game seven. Possibly, I don't know. And game six too. They were up in game three, in game six where they yeah. had it. Yeah, yeah. I think looking at their
0: lineup, I think they may be the best defensive team in the East. If you're throwing out Pat Beverly, Kelly Oubre is not the smartest player, but he's a plus <laughs> defender. Tobias <laughs> Harris, PJ Tucker, Embiid, and then you have depth. You have that big man depth, which I think it, it matters. Uh, so. Uh, I'm pretty high on this team despite the hardened issues, at least in the regular season. Because Embiid is an incredible regular season player when he's healthy. His body just happens to break down every March or April. It's it's unfortunate, but that's the reality. Uh, so next, we're talking about the ultimate playoff team and probably one of the worst regular season teams in recent history, and that is our Miami Heat. Their projected win total, 455 Last year they were 44 and 38, and they were technically a seven seed, became the eight seed in the play-in. But they brought back Kevin Love. They drafted Jaime Jaquez Junior. from out of UCLA, really cool young player. Uh, they signed t- Josh Richardson, Thomas Bryant, brought back a bunch of other guys. They're probably like you know cloning some G League all stars, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, under the arena somewhere. Uh, have you heard about Jamal Cain? Apparently he's an incredible young player. He's, you know, some anonymous guy. He's like the next Gabe Vincent, Vincent Max Drews type guy. Uh, and speaking of those guys, their key departures, Max Druce, of course, Gabe Vincent. Uh, they lose Oladipo, who was hurt anyway. Uh, Cody Zeller and Omer Yurtsevin. So there's a lot going on with this team. They lose out on the Dame Lillard sweepstakes. There's a lot of question marks about them. What are the best and worst case scenarios for this team?
1: This is tough because uh, every year they manage to, like... You said to, that like, for every East team, just, just to let you <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's it, these, like, top teams are, are a little less predictable, I would say, yeah. in terms of, like, the overall outcome. I mean, look, I like Miami going into last season. They were the one seed. They were the best shooting team in the league. Um, so I, I think what makes this one difficult and by the way, they were a shot away from going to the finals that, that other season, right? The, mm-hmm. the one where the Celtics went. So, yeah. I mean, going into last season, I was like, yeah, they run it back. That's, that's a great team. They didn't get better. I wasn't excited that they didn't get better. but they And it showed, by the way, they were the 25th ranked offense uh, in basketball. They were a terrible shooting team. They regressed, like, ridiculously. They were still a top 10 defense. So, I mean, that's not going anywhere because this is a really disciplined team. They're going to maximize the talent they have. Like you said, they added a bunch of G League guys. Even though they didn't get Dame, I think that's going to make them even more of like a dangerous bleep you team throughout the season. Um, Baller and Bam are an excellent duo. Jaime Haas, ha- Haquez, I haven't gotten the ha- pronunciation Haquez? down. Yeah. Haquez. I think so. I mean, interesting prospect. Like he, He's good at a lot of the things Miami Heat players do. He can get to the line. Uh, he uses ball fakes. He can be a knockdown shooter from outside. He's got a bit of an old man game, the way he um, he he gets open. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, described. They, I was going to say, I was,
0: I've heard him described as a Latino Jimmy Butler. So,
1: yeah, well, Rick Rick Fox was kind of like that, like just mm-hmm. crafty, you know. He's a, he's a crafty vet at nineteen years old or something like that already. <laughs> so, this case, look, I'm not talking about finals again. It's just it's not it's not possible. I think they look better throughout the year. Uh, And I think they're in that, like, second round exit. Just they didn't get better. So that's – that's I I can't give them conference finals or finals, even though last year was an impressive display of basketball execution. I see them treading water as –
0: I think they're going to be just above the play-in mark uh, because they did lose some key pieces, but I, I trust their talent development, you know, more than anybody in the NBA. I think we'll see more from Jovich, not Jokic. Um, I think they, they, they just find guys off the street. And they you know we joke about heat culture and everybody. I think they shut everybody up about heat culture and what it is and what it really is with that finals run last year. And, I mean, you could talk about the bubble and discredit that all you want, but they were in the finals back then, too. And then, like you said, they were a shot away from the finals. So they're always in the mix. And they're, you know, a shot away or game away here and there from getting to the finals or winning the finals. So I'm just, I can never count them out as long as they have this infrastructure. They have the superstar in Jimmy Butler, who's, you know, uh, at least a superstar when it counts. You have a great big man. I think they just have dudes. They just always find dudes. I I think the talent is going to keep them from being like a top four seed. But I do think that they're going to take the regular season a little bit more seriously this year, and they're going to work some of these younger guys into that rotation. I think they're going to
1: be like just above the play-in mark. What do you think? Yes, I, I, I think so. I think that uh, as long as Jimmy Butler plays over 55 games, Kyle Lowry they only got— like fifty games from him or something last year, mm-hmm. and he's their only like good point guard. Um, so I think that they are hinging a lot on these guys being healthy. Um, as long as you know they could summon the magic to be as fairly good as they were last year, I agree they could stay out of the plan. As the what is it the six seed is is out of the yeah. plan, I think that's that's about where they'll be at. Yeah.
0: Okay, next up the New York Knicks uh their projected win total forty five and a half or over under. They last year they were forty seven and thirty-five. Key additions. They uh signed Dante DiVincenzo from the Warriors. They brought back Josh Hart, uh signed a couple of guys. They signed Obi Toppin's brother, Jacob Toppin. And their key departures, Obi Toppin and Derrick Rose. So not massive losses. This is a, a team that's pretty much intact from last year. They just added a couple pieces around the edges. What do you think happens with this team? Give me their best and worst-case scenarios.
1: I think best case, it's the the very best they can get to again is the second round. I think this one's not tough. I'm going to say this is not a tough one <laughs> to talk about here. Um, but they added a nice piece in Dante DiVincenzo. They kept Josh Hart, who was, I believe they traded for in the middle of the season. Yep. I think yep. defensively, it's surprising. You look at the numbers. They were the third best offense in basketball in terms of rating. And they were 19th in defense, which is, again, surprising for like a Tom Thibodeau yeah, team. Yeah, for sure. So I think they overachieved a lot offensively. Third offensively in the league is, sounds quite jarring. I think that they just had, they got the best out of Jalen Brunson. And I think he just had a chip on his shoulders being like, well, oh, this is going to be the guy. And I think he he really showed out for that. So I think that's their their best case again is maybe the second round. They should have lost in the first round. I think just the Cavs are a bunch of silly bitches. I think is what happened there. <laughs> uh, I would say the questions are like they didn't get better. I don't think you look at these additions. They're a bunch of free agents. They didn't they didn't have a draft pick. Um, offensively, their schemes are a concern. It lacks imagination. The Tom Thibodeau. Uh, offense doesn't seem to have much ball movement. It's, it's Julius Randle, do your thing, save the day, and that's not going to happen. I think he's a blocker on this team's ceiling until they find someone else who can be a primary or secondary scoring option. This is as, as good as they're going to get. Mm-hmm. You hit the nail on the head there
0: about Julius Randle. I just think he, like he, you could say blocker, ceiling, whatever. They're going to go as far as he will take them, and that's not very far. Um, I'm not high on him as a player. I just I think he's just too ball dominant. He becomes a black hole on offense at times, and I don't think he's good enough to justify that. I think at some point in this season, the Knicks are going to have to decide: is this Jalen Brunson's team or is this Julius Randle's? And I think there was a lot of push and pull there, and in the in the playoffs, when it came down to it, Julius Randle took it and he's like, this is mine. This is my team. I'm gonna take the shots. So you talk about Marcus Smart saying I got this. Julius Randall was doing exactly that. And I think he was doing it on a bum ankle or a bum foot. So it was just <laughs> it was even worse. You know, so I, I see them more as a play in team. Um they're they have some nice pieces. I think unless there's a move that they make, I, I think like like you said, they overachieved last year. I think they're gonna get closer to like the forty win mark. This year, I don't see them going over that 45 and a half. And I do see them kind of getting sucked into that, that play. And I think they got a little lucky last year with with how things played out. Agreed. All right. So next, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, they're over under is 42 and a half. Last year, they were a remarkable 41 and 41. I feel like we don't see that often. <laughs> Right. Uh, we don't see that for some reason. It's like you're there 40 and 42, 42 and 40. Is, to be 500 is, is, is a special achievement. Uh, so they uh, gave DeJounte Murray a bunch of money, gave him a contract extension. They drafted Kobe Bufkin, uh, 15th overall. They signed Patty Mills or traded for Patty Mills inside Wesley Matthews. And their big departure uh, was John Collins, who they traded for like a bag of peanuts. To the Jazz. I think it was Rudy Gay and some other stuff, just basically for nothing. They kind of gave him away. Uh, So, how do you see things going for this team? What's their best and worst case scenario for the Hawks?
1: I think last year was just a really disappointing year for them. I liked the DeJounte Murray, at least in concept trade, because uh, Trey Young is just such a defensive liability. You needed someone to hide him and guard the other team's best guards because that's who they were, you know, Trey Young is being taken advantage of. I mean, best case, make the they make the playoffs uh, and, they, and they do well. I think they were what they lost in the play-in, right? So, or no, no bonus, they yeah. was no, they was it Philly? The,
0: Philly? They were they ended up being the seven seed. They lost to um, Boston. Or was it in the first Boston?
1: Round. I can, man, my memory's killing me. <laughs> I think that uh, uh, I think a full season with Quinn Snyder should really improve just everything across the board, the execution, their defense. I think Nick, Nate McMillan's more of an offensive coach. And they hated him just like they hated the other guy, uh, Lloyd Pierce. So they seem to have a problem with their coaching. Uh, but this is a guy that um, really just did, in terms of development just changed the Utah Jazz. Uh, so I, I do expect Trey Young to do a lot of different things. I expect him to uh, just look a lot more efficient this year to, you know, to some degree because he's a bit of a volume guy. I like Okongwu. I think his impact will be significant. So I think best case they they just look a little better in the playoffs. They were meddlesome against a Boston team that was trying to figure things out a little bit early on. Um, I, I like them to just look better than five hundred. That's that's mm-hmm. uh, offensively they were they were they were decent. They were top ten uh, defensively. I think is where there's a lot to be desired there. Yeah, and they they beat the Heat in the playing game to get that that seven seed. <laughs> so that's crazy.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. Who would have thought? This team, you know, when it's good, it's great, right? When when Trey Young is is, you know, shooting 60% from the field and he's hitting, you know, threes from half court, it looks awesome, right? When it's going bad, it's it's like a car crash, right? He's just he's shooting them out of games. I mean, he has like that Donovan Mitchell approach of like shooting you in a game or shooting you out of a game. And it's just there's so much variance. I think with with his play style and the way he approaches the game, I just I don't see him as a winning player. Um, I don't see them making any noise in the playoffs. I do think you brought up the good point about Quinn Snyder, uh, but you wonder if you run out two coaches in you know however long, it's like maybe the maybe you're the problem. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe, Tra- maybe, maybe Trey Young is the problem. And I know there was like flirtations or rumors about them trading him last year and building the team around De- Dejounte Murray. Obviously, that didn't end up happening. I think he's like the more obviously more marketable star of the two. Uh, but I just don't see a team that's built around him making any real noise. To me, he's like a discount Dame Lillard. Your ceiling is. First round, second maybe like a fluke conference finals run, which they already had that fluke conference finals run. That so I just I don't I'm just completely out on this team. Uh, I do think they're gonna be in the play in just because the East is not great. So I think of the the bad East teams, I think they are, you know, closer to the top of that uh, that pile. So yeah, I don't I'm not seeing much for that.
1: I think my main question is they finally traded John Collins after flirting around with trade rumors for him for two seasons. And he was like 13, 16 points a game. Who fills that gap? Is it? I assume that it's going to be a combination of guys they already have, like Okongwu, DeAndre Hunter, maybe some of that. Kobe Bufkin is a pretty good pickup for them in the draft. Uh, he's pretty crafty. He's got handles. Uh, he's got a pretty good mid-range game. He can create space, even though... He's not that quick. So maybe it's more of a team effort to make up for that. Uh, because they were still a top ten offense. So I think that's gonna be the main question, but their ceiling is not gonna be much higher than that. I just think they're just a touch better than five hundred. Yeah. I'm I'm going under that. I think they're gonna be under five hundred <laughs> and in in the play in mix. I know you don't like Trey Young. I, I, I actually like Trey Young. I like <laughs> that he's like he's got a competitive fire to him. I like those guys. He does. He's just, I don't know, man. Uh, Like I said, he's discount Dame Lillard to me. It's just, that's,
0: that's fine. (laughs) You know, he's, he's going to have his 40, 50 point games. And then the next week uh, he's going to be, you know, two for 15 or two for 17 and, you know, sulk his way around. So just, just not a fan of the, the attitude. Uh, next, the Indianapolis Pacers. They were probably one of the more fun teams.
1: <laughs> man, it's it's easy to make that distinction. The Indianapolis Pacers, isn't it? Indiana Pacers. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. The Indiana Pacers. You caught me there. Uh, I was wondering what you were laughing
0: about. Yes, the <laughs> Is this Indiana, football season. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. I know, man. It's October. We're still in football mode. The Indiana Pacers. Forgive me. Uh, yeah, one of the more fun, quote-unquote, bad teams to watch. Um, their uh, win total, 38 and a half. Last year, they were 35 and 47. But there was a fair amount of tanking done at the end of the season once they were kind of out of range for the play-in or playoff, uh, They gave Tyrese Halliburton a bunch of money. They signed Bruce Brown. They traded for Obi Toppin. And uh, key departures, uh, basically just Chris, Guar- Chris Duarte who they traded to the Kings. So best and worst case scenario for the not Indianapolis, but Indiana Pacers.
1: (laughs) Peyton Manning. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I don't know. Like this is tough. No, it's not tough. I think like they they (laughs) added a ton of new talent. Uh, They're all a bunch of children for the most part. Uh, And they added Bruce Brown, who was like the shocking look. Wow. Look how much Bruce Brown got. That's pretty crazy. (laughs) Sorry. I forgot to mention they they did
0: draft uh, Juraice Walker. Eighth overall. I forgot to mention it.
1: Yeah, so I mean, look, they do they do have a ton of talent. It's a a young team. Buddy Heel decide maybe who I'm not I'm not crazy about. I, I think he was very inefficient. They were they didn't play well last season. Their offensive rating was 19th in the league. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. They were 26th in defense in the league. Uh, so there was uh, quite the tanking effort um, from them. I do like uh, Jarris Walker. He could be a hell of a scorer for them. I was looking at his uh scouting report. There there's just there's a lot there. He's a good rim protector. Uh, he shows up on D. He has a huge wingspan. He's got a really good uh three-point shot in a mid-range game. So I think they made an upgrade there. I think it just because you add so many young players, where are they going to get better? I don't think they're going to make the playoffs or the play-in. Mm. I think they're going to be under this 38 and a half. They're still developing all this all these rookie additions. I mean for F's sake are they going to trade Miles Turner or not? They every, I feel like it's been 5 years of, of Miles Turner rumors. I, I just don't know what this what this organization is is going for. Um they just are acquiring young guys and like oh something'll stick and will eventually be good after mm-hmm. 6 years of of picking up young people. But that's that's all I could I, that's that's it for them. It's not really that complicated. It's not a good team yet.
0: I, I don't know man i I think this is one where we really disagree i uh, I think they are going to be definitely in the mix for the play. in I think they're going to be in the top half of that play in. I think they'll be pushing for that six seven seed i I just I love this team. I look at the roster. I love Tyrese Halliburton. I think he is elite um I think the bruce Brown signing is is huge for them um i not a fan of Buddy Hill I think he is on his way out, but they have talent. I think Obi Toppin is a, is a good backup big. I love, uh, what's his name, Andrew Nembhard. He was excellent last year for them you know, in spot starts. And I think they're finally going to decide, like, all right, we want to win. Um, I don't think they will trade Miles Turner. I think they see him as a foundational piece now, despite all the rumors and stuff coming in. I, I think that he is among the upper echelon, kind of of big men in this league. I think he's one of the rare guys. He's a mobile big. He's, I think he can score. He's, he's versatile. So I'm high on this team. I I do think they, I want to say they blast past this, this win total. I I see them as like 42, 43 wins. I think they're closer to like what the Hawks were last year or what the, even the heat were last year. I just, I love what I see in their depth chart. I love their depth. I think they're going to be maybe like the Knicks, of last year where they're kind of the overachievers. And I there's a theme with me this year. I think I'm just leaning towards youngish teams. You know what I'm saying? Like not super young like not Orlando last year or OKC okay, 2 years ago. I'm talking about like, you know, a couple years in where the youth is going to be the difference. It's like they've overcome their inexperience. I think they're kind of in that sweet spot. So, yeah, I, I'm surprised. I, I yeah, it's a good one. We're disagreeing on it. Disagreement is good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm happy to be wrong. I do like everyone that that they've acquired and they have, uh, aside from Buddy Heald, who we keep uh, taking a uh, baseball bat to a little bit. <laughs> um, I think just the defense is the biggest question. They're going to score a ton. They're going to be an mm-hmm. exciting offensive team. I think what what could, I think, limit them or make them like a borderline 10th seed is, is just the defense. But mm-hmm. I guess the 10th seed is... It's pretty damn low. I guess the play-in is not a it's not a high bar. I guess they could get it. Maybe I should change my thing to over. Maybe they'll get it. Well, I said
0: top half of the play-in. So you could you could get in the bottom half with like a, you know 40 wins or something. So I I think in the top half, although I think the Bulls made a 10, they were the 10 seed and they were 40 and 42 or something. So that's just how I'm, I'm leaning. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of this team. So we'll see. Next up, the New Jersey Nets. No, I'm just kidding. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, win total 37 and a half. Uh, last year's record was 45 and 37, but you can completely throw that out the window. They were an entirely different team. Uh, after the trade deadline, they had every single you know backup or third string wing in the NBA on this roster. Uh, but there are key additions. Brought back Cam Johnson, signed uh, Darius Baisley, Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, Trendon Watford. <laughs> And their big losses, I know you're laughing because you're like, who the hell is that? Uh, but they drafted two guys in the 20s, Noah Clowney and Darek Whitehead. Big losses, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, and Utah Watanabe. So how do you see things going for the Nets? This
1: is a super weirdly constructed team because they just super try to weird. acquire as many wings as they possibly could. It's like a fantasy team. You know, You know, if I draft number one overall uh LeBron I'm just going to make sure I have a bunch of players kind of like LeBron I want a bunch of assists and <laughs> rebounds uh <laughs> like a handcuff right you have like a million handcuffs for the same guy yeah yeah that's I mean it's Ben Simmons and uh <laughs> Dorian Finney-Smith and uh Mikael Bridges and Royce O'Neal and Cam Johnson and Darius Baisley they have like seven guys that play like that, that are like three and D wings uh which caps their, you know, versatility. They have defensive versatility. They might have a little spacing. Playmaking is a huge problem for this team. Uh is absolutely the best case. Mm-hmm. I think that they're going to be a team. They're going to be kind of like the Raptors where they have, like, just scrappy defensive guys where, you're like, wh- how are they going to get points, like, consistently and in different ways? Rebounding is going to be a bit of an issue. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just a bunch of guys acquired via trade. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say the best, the biggest question mark is Is Ben Simmons over his like PTSD from missing a layup three years ago or not? Like, are, is this guy going to play basketball? Uh, all the, the pressure of playing with Katie and Kyrie is gone. Like, is this guy going to mm-hmm. play or not? I think that's the big question mark. Yeah. I've decided this summer or whatever this fall is I am completely out on
0: the hypotheticals. I'm done with, uh, <laughs> you know, on the West Pod, I talked to Salmont. I'm done with if Kyrie sticks around and gets his head on straight when it comes to basketball. I'm out on if Zion shows maturity and is healthy, then such and such, this and this will happen. I'm completely out on that. So throw Ben Simmons in there. I'm completely out on (laughs) if Ben Simmons gets over whatever issues he was dealing with. I think he is who he is now, which is a bit part NBA player. Um, And I'm spending too much time talking about him at this point when it comes to this team. I think. The point that you brought up about consistency is huge for this team because there's a bunch of guys on this team where you could see they could score 40, 50 points on a given night. Spencer Dinwiddie could do that. Mikhail Bridges could do that. Cam Thomas could do that. You know, Lonnie Walker went crazy in the playoffs for two games and then disappeared. Cam Johnson, (laughs) you know, all these guys, it's the same thing. They can give you 40, but they can also give you four. And... They're just super weird, I think they're like an assets team at this point. I, I made the same comparison on the other pod with um the Utah Jazz. like they are an assets team. They're kind of all in the shop window. It's like, hey, come, you know, what do you think about Ben Simmons? Oh, you know, this Lonnie Walker fellow seems nice. Oh, so what about you know I think they signed Cam Johnson, but I want to say the only two guys that are untouchable are Bridges, maybe Cam Johnson maybe throw Nick Claxton in there. I feel like everybody else is, you know, available for trade or, you know, so they're open for business. And I, I think that they'll be kind of in the back half of that play-in unless they make some massive trade, which I think the team is probably like, they have a lot of fatigue from doing like that superstar trade. So I can't see them doing that. So.
1: I love this version of you that's, like, not taking shit. You're like Mark Wahlberg in The Departed. <laughs> like, you think you're a cop, but you're not. You're not a cop. Like, that's where you're, like, doubling down. Like, it's not you're either are or you're not a cop. That's it. I'm just – I'm tired of it. Honestly, there's
0: too much of this, this, you know, well, what <laughs> if – what if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are healthy? That's not probably happening. You, know, you don't need to hypothetical that one. Well, I'm I'm saying you can throw it in that same pile. You can throw it in the pile with Zion and his maturity and his weight, uh, with you know all that stuff. I'm just you know I love Kyrie. Well, it's true, right? He hasn't yeah. been in shape in four years. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could throw John Moran in there. What if he stops, you know, playing with guns and, and you know on Instagram live, you can throw Kyrie. What if he decides to be happy? What just all these what ifs? I'm just like, you know, I'm completely out on that. I'm not going to entertain them. I'm just like, I'm done. You know, I'm going to go with as close to, you know, there's no such thing as absolutes here, but I'm going to go with what I have like some concrete evidence of. And, you know, for Ben Simmons, uh, until he shows me otherwise, he is who he is at this point. And He's a backup. He's, you know, just going to be running around out there doing a lot of cardio, maybe playing some good defense here and there, but I just I don't see him as an impact player. And the rest of the team is just kind of again, they're just all in the shop window waiting for somebody to come pluck on some contender that needs a wing. And I thought more teams would do that last year, but I guess it just happened too close to the trade deadline for them to to make that happen, but yeah, I could see it happening a lot this uh this year, especially as like
1: some injuries pile up and stuff. I think a lot of these guys are going to get moved. We shall see. Hypotheticals. <laughs> Let's see. That's my That's my least favorite. We'll see. Yeah, right. It's just like a cop-out. Like, oh, you know, I think the Bulls are going to win the championship, but,
0: you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Like, come on. <laughs> speaking it's, of. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of. Uh, the Chicago Bulls, they have the same projected win total or over-under as the uh, New Jersey Brooklyn Nets, 37 and a half. Last year they were forty and forty-two. They barely made the play-in game. A lot of their fans did not want them to make the play-in game, but they gave uh, Nikola Vucevic an, a contract extension. They signed Javon Carter, Tori Craig. They re-signed Kobe White, Io Dasanmu, and they drafted Julian Phillips thirty-fifth overall. They lost on they lost out on Patrick Beverly and Derek Jones Jr. So, how do you see things going with the Bulls?
1: Interesting team because last year they were like top five in defensive rating, which was like really surprising. They had yeah. uh, a bunch of magical DeMar DeRozan moments uh, where he was like hitting big shots. Um, I, I I don't like this team. Is that bad? I don't like this. I don't know what they're doing. Is like the problem. You know what? <laughs> I think
0: I think the fans feel the same way. Everyone in Chicago doesn't like this team either. So. Yeah, you're not like I know you
1: have a lot of Bulls fans in your life. One of my best friends is a Bulls fan, and I just have little faith in the direction of the team. When they when things are clicking, they are an exciting offensive team. Like Zach Levine is, you know, a really exciting offensive player. DeRozan's a vet. Vucevic has his moments. Uh, They added Javon Carter, who's like just good depth. Toy Craig, like these are experienced guys in the league. They're just like it's playing. And here's what bothers me though is they made the play in and they were like three minutes from beating the Miami Heat and wasting everyone's time and losing to Milwaukee. So yes, I I do think that like this is I don't know, this is like a team that's lost in like the they're in purgatory. They're a little bit in hell. Lonzo ball is, you know, might be done. There's a lot of uncertainty there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Williams is like they've been waiting for him to be Kawhi Leonard for like three years. And uh, I just don't think that's happening. So I I don't like this team. I just yeah. uh, <laughs> I hate it when the team like lacks direction. That
0: that's exactly what's happening here. And like like I said, you're not alone. I do have a lot of Chicago Bulls fans in my life and they don't like this team either. They they're just asking it's a lot of why. Why is Andre Drummond on our team? Why did we give yeah. Nikola Vucevic a lot of money? Yeah. Why is I guess Zach Levine is the only guy that's, that's worth anything, you know, aside from DeMar DeRozan as like a scorer, but it's a lot of like, what, how far does that get you? How far does that combination get you? You know, there was like a magical brief moment where they had maybe the best defensive backcourt in the NBA where they had Lonzo and Alex Caruso out there. But again, it's just a lot of like, well, if Lonzo never plays again, and the fact that he had to come out and dispute, the fact that he could even get up out of a chair, there was rumors about his knee like being completely done, and he just had to record a video of him standing up out of a chair. Was <laughs> this not a good sign? You know, and it's really sad. Obviously, you know, I, I I liked him as a player. I wish you know all him all the best, but I just I don't see the point of this team. I think they're just like you said, they're in purgatory. They're mired in mediocrity, and there's just no point. Just bottom out. You know trade these guys move on from them i need to look at the some of the contract situations with levine and de and see if they're even worth moving at this point but it's just yeah there's no point there's there's no point to the bulls at this point and i think they're they're gonna i don't think they're gonna be in that playing mix i just don't think they're gonna be any good
1: i think it was a missed opportunity to get into a really good draft class and they completely missed out by going to the play in tournament from what i've Red, the next couple draft classes, are not as exciting as the most recent mm-hmm. one. So, yeah, Bulls fans, I, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm sorry, too, but not really.
0: Um Anyway, next up, the Orlando Magic. Speaking of a team with direction, that is the Orlando Magic. Uh Projected a win total over under is 36.5. Last year, they were 34 and 48, and they were probably – one of the most fun 34 and 48 teams to watch. Um, key additions, they had two picks in the top 11, Anthony Black and Jet Howard. Uh, they brought back Mo Wagner. They signed Joe Ingles. They signed slam dunk champion Mac McClung. oh And, yeah, right, Admiral Schofield as well. Uh, and they waved Bull Bull, which is unfortunate because I thought he would have been fun on this team. But... They have a lot of young players, a lot of really exciting young players. Uh, I believe Foncaro won Rookie of the Year last year, and it was well-deserved. So how do you see things going for the Magic this year? Uh,
1: I I like the idea of them hitting the over. I think that this is going to be like a stubborn team. They already did pretty well last year with the limited experience that they had. They're one of the younger teams in the league. I think the only thing that skews their average age is Joe Ingles and Gary Harris at nine years a piece but otherwise it's a bunch of children on the team and i like that. Oklahoma City and Orlando are teams that have a lot of interesting talent. Uh I'd love, Anthony Black is a good player like he's got Josh Giddy comparisons and that's right up there with two exciting players in the league Jet Howard is i don't know how, how high his ceiling goes. He's not a freak athlete or anything like that but he's been coached up his whole life, he's going to be very composed, catch-and-shoot situations. Jawan Howard's son, right? Yes, Jawan Howard's yeah. son. So I, I think that, that he will be like very composed, catch-and-shoot situations. Like that's going to be really, really key for them if they can retain him and develop him. Uh, I, I, like, I like Markel Fultz. I love a good comeback story. He, he, After Philly tried to ruin him, he came back and he did fine in Orlando. Cole Anthony comes from a basketball family. And he's got a lot of bleep you to him. He's he's not exactly like an efficient player, but I love the passion there. So I, yeah, I think this team's upside. Like they didn't make the play-in. They, they could flirt with it, I think. Like they were just outside of it and they have a lot of interesting young guys that are going to make some noise. They finally got like a, an adult in the locker room with Joe Ingles, who's going to give them that Aussie honesty. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I like that.
0: Yeah, I... Leaning, I, I think they're going to be comfortably in the play-in. Um, not saying much, but I think they'll be closer to uh, the six than the ten seed. I'll say that. I, I everything that you said about young team on the come-up, everything's great. I mean, it, the the OKC comparison is, is very apt. I think the difference is OKC has the guy. OKC has has Shea or SGA, whatever you want to call him, and he's first team All NBA. Some people didn't like that, whatever. He he is a top ten guy and he is the guy at the end of games for them. Uh, so I think it's dependent their success, their ceiling is whether it's Franz or, or Paolo, they that become the guy. But I think both of them have the the tools to do that. I'll probably lean more Paolo because of the you know the the bad the deep offensive bag that he possesses. So I think he has potential to take that leap. I'm not saying all NBA or anything like that, but I do think he can be an all-star this year in a uh, weekend Eastern Conference. So I think they quite easily make the play in. So I think that pretty good ceiling on this team.
1: I think there's just a bit of a lack of experience. They're two, uh, maybe another year or two away. It's a top heavy East. So they just have a lot of opportunity to show something. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Next up, the Toronto Raptors. They brought back uh, Jakob Pertl. They drafted the guy with the best name in the draft, Grady Dick. And they signed hey, uh, Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. <laughs> Number one dick, it says on the back of his jersey. So, you know, probably the <sighs> top seller uh, in uh, Canada right now. Uh, and they signed Dennis Schroeder and Jalen McDaniels. Uh, they lose out on Fred and Vliet, and that's really about it. And of course, Nick Nurse is a key departure for them as well, who is, of course, a championship winning coach. So, how do you see things going for them? Oh, I'm sorry. And they were 41 and 41 last year.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see their their approach with a new coach. Um, defensively, I think they have the opportunity to still be really stingy. They just have a lot of length. Grady Dick, his scouting report, a solid shooter, like just a really, really gifted shooter. So I think that that will make things interesting with the departure of Fred Van Vliet, who was, I think, their best shooter on the team. So uh, even though he was a bit... On the inefficient side, a uh, great addition. He didn't shoot great last year, but I think in general, a pretty good shoot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a great, great addition. Uh, this is just another one of those. I think from this point on, aside from a couple teams, it was like, hey, maybe we can get the 10th seed and flirt with, with the play-in. Uh, but with Nick Nurse, he got the best out of them every night. I don't know if they can have as much consistency as they had. 41 wins was probably like just sounds about right like it's like if mm-hmm. you told me the Raptors won 41 games oh okay like yeah. I think they're 36 and a half is close like if you bet the under it sounds reasonable if you bet the over it's like how much over really can they get if if not on the nose and their best players are always in trade talks like mm-hmm. OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam are on the trading block and their GM is notorious right now for off like saying, I won't give them to you unless you give me like 11 first round picks. So we'll see what happens there.
0: When I look at this, uh, especially the starting five, it's, it's curious that there's 36 and I wonder how much that win total has to do with the prediction that one of those guys is going to get traded at some point, because I mean, their starting five is Dennis Schroeder, Scotty Barnes, Ananobi, Siakam and Pirtle. Like that's a pretty, Good starting five, depending on how you feel about Scotty Barnes. I think that's it's a better starting five than maybe Orlando's. Some of the other teams that are right in front of them. Maybe the depth is the question mark, but I think some of this win total buzz or whatever is, I think, because they're expecting to get to trade one of these guys away. So I, I can see them again. I, I don't. I see them outside the play in just because I expect one of these guys to finally get moved. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to to Ricky G, and he was saying that you know Masai is not trading anybody, and it was kind of funny how he was saying it. But he's just he's like <laughs> you said, he's notorious for asking for everything in exchange for one of these guys. And I think maybe he's finally going to make that trade this year. And I think that's why I see them as a, a rebuilding team who's finally going to sell off some of these some of these assets. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, the uh, Carolina, no, sorry, the Charlotte Hornets, um, (laughs) over under 31 and a half. Last year, they were 27 and 55. I want to spend as little amount of time speaking on this team. I just don't like this team. I don't like anything involved with them, uh, thanks to Miles Bridges. Uh, But key additions, they brought back Miles Bridges, who is going to be serving some suspension. They gave LaMelo Ball a big contract. Uh, They signed Brandon Miller. Or Sorry, drafted Brandon Miller number two overall over Scoot Henderson uh, and signed P.J. Washington. And they also drafted Amari Bailey, who is one of the more intriguing prospects, um, even though he was a second round pick. They lost uh, Kelly Oubre, Dennis Smith Jr., and Svi Mikhailuk, I believe is how you pronounce his name. So how do you see things going with this team?
1: Well, positive for them uh, is they lost Kelly Oubre. I would say that's the first thing that <laughs> made this team better already. Um, Brandon Miller is, 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 is an excellent pickup. I know that Scoot Henderson was supposed to go second, but Miller can create his own shot. He's a great free throw shooter. Uh, he's got a quick first step. He's going to be really versatile defensively because of his length. Like it's, He still is an excellent, excellent draft pick for them. Uh, especially next to LaMelo, who defensively leaves a lot to be desired. They have a lot of young players. I know why you don't like the team, but like P.J. Washington, Brandon Miller, even Nick Smith, who they drafted, is also getting a lot of buzz. Uh, he just has like a hell of a bag. He's got a smooth jumper. Uh, I, yeah, so I think like he's they got some lights out players on the team. They were terrible last year because LaMelo barely played, and it was the scary Terry show. And that's why they were the thirtieth ranked offense in the league. <laughs> so Lamelo is an instrumental part of them uh, executing on offense. Um, yeah, I think that, like everyone else, like they can hit that over. They won they won twenty seven games without Lamelo. They can hit that thirty one and a half easily. Uh, I think the the question is, they took James Booknight in the lottery a couple years ago. He barely played last season. Can he stay healthy? um, and, and, and make a leap for them. It's, it's an interesting team. Yeah. I, I I'm not seeing it whatsoever. I just, <laughs> I,
0: I just think there's, it, it's like a daycare. I look at this team. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of immature guys. Um, you know, PJ Washington has made some questionable t- decisions off the court. Uh, Brandon Miller, he had all that, uh, controversy coming in miles bridges. I is, I don't think, is someone that should be on an NBA roster at this point um given everything that's come out and everything that's happened with him on the domestic violence side and i think you know for laMelo ball he's just he's not mature to me i don't think he will ever be that guy in the, on this team and in this organization i think this is like a rudderless organization with no direction and i think they're better off bottoming out letting this be the laMelo and Brandon Miller show and let's let's see what happens let's let's pick up some uh, draft capital and see what happens. I think they're also going to be sold at some point during the season, if not, um, you know, maybe after the season. So I think that creates a lot of um, uncertainty. And I think it's going to be a lot of guys pouting and things like that. So I I see them kind of propping up the standings at the bottom of the East here.
1: That's interesting. I've said interesting too much. And it's so annoying. But I think <laughs> like the, your observation is there. it's more so character based over like what their ceiling is. Like It's mainly like there's a bunch of children who um, their discipline will affect their, their quality of play.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's going to be like Houston last year where they'll have a couple games where, you know, LaMelo or Brandon Miller is going to score 40 points and it's going to be awesome. But for the most part, it's just going to be a bunch of guys kind of out for themselves. I'm not high on the coach, uh, the organization in general. Just, you know, I, I think they'll be at the bottom of the East here.
1: Definitely. Congrats the MJ for the four billion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whenever that
0: happens. Uh, next up, the Detroit Pistons uh, projected win total over under twenty eight and a half. Last year they were horrific, seventeen and sixty five. Uh, they drafted one of the Thompson twins, Asar Thompson, fifth overall. Uh, they went out and got Joe Harris, Monty Morris. Um, they also um, signed. Uh, Buddy Bayheim, Jared Roden Xavier Simpson Just a bunch of Random dudes uh, They lost out Basically just on Corey Joseph Who is now with the Warriors Which I did not know about Until a couple of days ago So that's cool uh, So how do you see things Going for the Pistons Do you see them Finally Getting out of this Lottery
1: Hell that they've been in It really sucks for them Right Because they lost They won 65 Or they lost 65 games And did not get uh, uh, Wemby Let's just call him Wemby um, but they didn't have Cade Cunningham for most of the season. They're one of the youngest teams in the league. Uh, I like this Thompson uh, twin. I think that you know, some are saying that the Rockets' brother is is a little bit better, but he you know he's just shown promise as an outside shooter. Um, I, I think that it, in terms of defensive ability, he's got a lot of upside, which I think this team needs. Cade isn't exactly a, a you know a, a defensive lockdown type of player, so. Uh, I, I think that, that that part will make them it, – it's another development year at the end of the day. Uh, they, they added Joe Harris and Monte Morris, so which I think is fine. They have a wealth of bigs, probably too many bigs. And they'll be like big by committee with like James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley, and et cetera. So it'll be interesting to see um, if they end up trading Jay, James Wiseman. Maybe they'll trade him back to Golden State, which would be funny. They'll just pull like a Gary Payton and just get someone they already had. <laughs> um so yeah, I, I, they'll get close to that, uh, but I still think they'll hit the under just because it's, it's a lot of uncertainty. It's a young team. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I've heard that James Wiseman might be
0: released at some point, which will be... So maybe he does end up on the Warriors that way. <laughs> <laughs> they have Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart, probably the best nickname in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I do see them... Finally starting to compete and not contend by any means, but I do see them in like the mid-20s. Like, okay, let's let's finally like try to win at this point. Uh, so, I, I yeah, I'm seeing them, you know, probably in the mid-20s. I don't see them hitting that 28 and a half or 30, whatever it is. But I do see them at least, you know, being a little more fun to watch. And the, the last team, which was kind of interesting, I was surprised to see these guys propping up the standings here, is the Washington Wizards. Uh, projected over under, win total is 24 and a half. Last year they were 35 and 47, but this is a completely different team. So they uh, brought back Kyle Kuzma, traded for Jordan Poole, drafted Bilal Koulibaly, seventh overall, went out and got Tyus Jones via trade, Landry Shamit, Mike Muscala. Danilo Gallinari, Patrick Baldwin, Taj Gibson. I could go on for you know five, six more names, but they're this is an entirely new team, and of course, their big losses: Bradley Beal, Chris Daps, Porzingis, Monty Morris, <laughs> Jordan Goodwin, and I guess Chris Paul. He was on the team for like half a second, uh, <laughs> not really a loss <laughs> or an addition. But anyway, were you surprised that the, the Wizards had the uh, lowest projected win total here, like I was?
1: A little bit. I thought that, like, I think that they should be switched with Detroit, to be honest with you. Uh, I think they'll hit the over. Um, This team is weird. It's really weird. Um, Very weird. Yeah. Like, they're not going to play defense. Uh, Despite all of these players, they don't have any, like, all star level talent. I'll take that back. Bilal Koulibaly has the potential (laughs) to be awesome like he's yeah. like a excellent defender he has like he has an all defense potential uh he's he's a great cutter to the rim he's going to be creative offensively he's a good slasher and cutter but this team in general with koulibaly while he's kind of developing just has a bunch of random experienced <laughs> guys <Yeah. laughs> playmaking is going to be so volatile like it's going to be individual shot making so they're going to have like these jordan pool going off for Thirty-five a night, a couple of nights, and then they're going to lose because Jordan is going to go two for eleven also on a bunch of nights. Yeah, the twenty-four and a half is is a little mean, uh, but I don't expect too much more from them. There's a lot of guys on this team that I like. Uh, I think individually,
0: uh, as individual players, I I love Tyus Jones. I thought he he him not being on Memphis anymore is a big deal. I think he was one of the main reasons that they were able to survive those long periods without John Morant. Um, so him being on this team, I think he brings like a actual point guard presence to this team. I don't think he's listed as a starter right now, but maybe he's just running that second unit. But I like Jordan Poole as a scorer. I like Corey Kispert. I like Kyle Kuzma as a player. Maybe that's about it. I, I We saw flashes from Patrick Baldwin Jr. I think we're maybe a little uh, biased as Warriors fans because uh, we hope that he would become something. But there's a lot of guys that you're just like, oh, he's on this team? That's interesting. But I think they're going to be probably like one of my favorite league pass teams to watch, like, uh, you know, especially like as an East Coast team, you know, that 4 p.m., 4.30 tip off uh, for us out here on the West Coast, like probably watching a lot of Wizards games more than than I would think Um, just because they seem fun. They're going to (laughs) be, you know. It's. They should have a reality show following Kuzma and Poole, like a buddy cop show or buddy cop movie, <laughs> just following these guys around. Uh, so I was surprised. I'm, I think they're going to be closer to like 30 points. I think they have a lot of offensive firepower. They probably can't stop anybody. But I think... You know, they'll catch the right team on a, you know, on a back to back or on a, you know, Tuesday night or whatever, and for the fourth of a fifth game road trip and just kick the shit out of somebody because Jordan Poole, like you said, goes off for 30 and Kuzma throws in 25. And yeah, so I, I, I'm excited to watch this team. They're not, I don't think they'll be in the play in, but I do see them in like the 30, 35 win range.
1: Yeah, I could I I was thinking the same thing. I could see Milwaukee ripping off like a nine game winning streak and then they just (laughs) roll into Washington and Jordan Poole and and frickin' Landry Shamit are giving them sixty-five combined. They're like, What the hell? Frickin' Jordan Poole. Yeah, Landry Shamit goes like, you know, four for five from three and
0: you know, Patrick Baldwin becomes something. I don't know. I just (laughs) I'm excited to watch this team just from a pure like basketball curiosity perspective. Uh, So I I think we made it pretty clear who we think our top eight or top 10 teams are. I think, uh, you know, we're leaning, we know that this is a very top heavy conference with, you know, the top three teams, top four teams, I guess, uh, Milwaukee, Boston, maybe Philly, maybe Cleveland. There's a lot of questions. There's like that, that elite tier, Boston, Milwaukee, and then everybody else. And then, you know, that tier of just a bunch of teams that we know are going to be in the top, uh, you know, top five picks, but we'll see, right? To use your favorite word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's interesting. Very interesting. All of it's yeah. very, I'm so intrigued. It's I feel tough, like Poppy Lebatar is yeah. highly <laughs> questionable. <laughs> see, see, I'm very intrigued.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Sam. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you guys for checking us out. Please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening or watching. This podcast, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. You can find us on all the major social media platforms as well at 4040 Vision Pod. And you can sign up for our newsletter at 4040visionmedia.com. Thanks, y'all. Bye.